Welcome to another episode of Analyze This. Today we'll be talking with special guest Chelsea Fagan of The Financial Diet to talk about money and numbers. But first, let's talk about your money and numbers. Like, how you should be spending them? Guys, can I tell you a little bit about JustFab.com? It is changing the way women shop. Now, we're all about having great style without spending a fortune. And with JustFab, you get access to the fashion you want at a value that you will love. The best part is it's personalized. When you first visit JustFab.com, you take a style quiz. After that, you'll get a personalized shopping experience with your favorite styles rising right to the top. You can shop as a guest or become a VIP. Spoiler alert, becoming a VIP is the best way to shop by far with 30% off retail prices and access to tons of other exclusive sales and perks. I recommended JustFab.com to Hannah Gelb, who, by the way, will be calling in later, and she absolutely loved it. So you guys go check it out. If you just go to JustFab.com slash Hanalize, you can sign up as a VIP and get 50% off your entire order. Yeah, you heard me right. Visit JustFab.com slash Hanalize and get half off everything on the site. That's JustFab.com slash Hanalize. Wowza, 50% off. I think that's the best deal we've done yet. Uh, Hannah Gelb, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Oh my God, you're you sound so far away. What's different? What's changed? Um, well, I'm um, not in the same city as you. <laughs> no, you're not. Where are you right now, Hannah? I'm in San Diego. Sadly, where are you um, specifically? She's at um, work. I'm, I'm at work. <laughs> this is so risque. I feel like we're having such a like, ooh, like clandestine podcast recording session right now. I know. And I, you know, I closed my door, um, but I'm afraid that my voice is so loud. Um, it's just going to be really obvious to everybody in my hallway what's happening. Hopefully <laughs> that's not the case. To be fair, it is your lunch hour and you can do with it as you choose. That's true. I could be doing karaoke in here, whatever. Exactly. I got to go. Um, you get 30 minutes for your lunch break? Um, I got about an hour. You got about an hour? Great. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get started. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Ground Baking. Baking? (laughs) (laughs) Have you been baking? Uh... In a very special way, Um, Ground Baking (laughs) Podcast. I am your one of your hosts, Hannah Hart, and I am Hannah Gold. Recording remotely for the first time because we have the opportunity to have an extra special guest on today. Please welcome Chelsea from the Financial Diet. Hello, it's me. I'm Chelsea. Hello, it's me. I'm Chelsea. That's what my voice sounds like. (laughs) Yay! Uproarious applause. Chelsea, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you for having me. Now, if uh, oh wait, I have a question. Oh my god, <laughs> go for it. Um, uh, where is Lauren? Well, Lauren uh, is where is Lauren? Well, Lauren's actually out in uh, in the lobby because we decided that it would probably be easier if it's just me. So, uh, without getting too far into the details of the financial diet. So Lauren's a designer. We did co-found it together, but she doesn't host the channel. She's not 
she would rather not not speak than speak if that makes sense oh, so yes absolutely yeah. okay sorry that's just curious the great uh, the great great opening question <laughs> i killed her i know her body's in a closet outside. should we be worried okay so for those who have no idea what the financial diet is would you please enlighten our listeners who maybe haven't had the chance to check out your website or your channel and let us know what financial diet's all about and sure. who lauren is <laughs> Uh, Lauren never existed. Uh, I made her up. Lauren and I co-founded it. It's, it was originally just a website, thefinancialdiet.com. Uh, and since we added a YouTube channel and all the social media, we had a book and now we're a team of five, soon to be six women who we write and talk about, about money and kind of how to understand it on the website. We have, uh, over a thousand contributors now and freelancers who, you know, write in their own stories because obviously I can only talk about, you know, my perspective for so long, Mm. but it's really just uh, a place for primarily young women, although men are allowed technically, um, to, to talk about money in a way that's, you know, fun and enjoyable. And none of us on the team, we consult with financial advisors and true financial experts, but none of us on the team are, are financial advisors, which we think is kind of a good thing because it, we ask, I think, the, a lot of the same questions that, you know, our audience is asking. So it's so, kind of yeah. like a safe space for financial advice. Yeah, it's sort of like a gateway drug to, <laughs> to caring about money. <laughs> now, so what is your background then if you, none of you come from a finance background? So I uh, am from, I come from a media background. I was a staff writer and then a creative director at uh, another website. And Lauren was an art director at an ad agency when we met. So um, we both kind of have uh, the media background. All of our other team have kind of similar team members have similar backgrounds but yeah none of us from from the finance world so then why money you know what's funny is when (laughs) i I initially started it as just a tumbler on the side from my you know regular job and part of it was because we it was like one of those just general millennial websites and i noticed that we talked about almost literally every single subject except money like there were people who would write these like incredibly sort of like open and and graphic sex stories like <laughs> about, like about their own personal lives but would never ever talk about money and I kind of found that interesting and then also I was just not very good with money I have an extremely rough background with money so mm. I was like well now's a, a you know a reason to get my s together are we allowed to curse oh yeah to get my shit together <laughs> yeah. we have an explicit we got an, we got an explicit rating on this podcast just right out the gate nobody even asked us about it they were just like uh explicit now I think Hannah and I both are wondering this, and Hannah, feel free to just say, wait, I have a question, anytime you want to jump in and talk, because I can't see you physically, but I am looking across the room as if you're here, <laughs> but I won't be able to read your body language, so whatever you need to talk, just maybe even make a noise, like, meh, like just... Oh, okay, thanks, dude. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, that's pretty much what I do normally, so... <laughs> fair, 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 fair. Do you think money can buy happiness? Yes and no. Um... I, I, it's funny. We talk about that subject a lot because I think a lot of people who say money can't buy happiness tend to be people who have money. Ooh, um, burn, true. And, and you sort of have the choice to, to have an opinion on the matter. Um, I think money can't buy happiness, but it can buy like stability and options and freedom and all of what we call like the Lego blocks of happiness. Right. And there's no guaranteeing that you're going to build that into a life that you're satisfied with, but you really don't have an option to be happy if you, you're not meeting your basic needs and you know, every day is a gamble. Well, it's kind of like um, money can't buy happiness, but money can provide resources. And with resources, you can do it as you please. Right? Exactly. It's, you have the option to, to pursue what might make you happy. 
Yeah, but material things alone, happiness will not gain. Okay, so now in terms of um, financial advice, the majority of our listeners uh, range from the age 18 to 34. 34, That's like the bracket. Yeah, 18 to 34. And so that's, you know, very clearly in a lot of different stages of financial growth. Um, Now, what would you say... You know, for instance, I have a younger sister who is uh, about to be 21, and she'll be leaving college, and she's never had a credit card. Um, now, let's, you know, let's talk about credit, I guess, to open. Uh, yeah. Because credit is something that I think is wildly confusing. And it's something that even if you avoid it at all costs, the way the system is set up, you have to participate. Otherwise, you will be punished. Yes, you will be punished for not spending money you don't have. Yeah, it's true. Um, although I think that that the spending money you don't have, I think, is a is a, a kind of unfair way to look at credit. And I think that's what a lot of people do is they assume that credit cards are sort of like just uh, imaginary money. Um, I personally ruined my credit, um, which is part of the reason why I wanted to to start TFD. Ooh, tell um, us everything. Paint, let's paint a picture. Like, tell uh, me, <laughs> how old were you? What was the card? What happened? Um, so this was just pre-crash. So I'm assuming that pre-crash this, meaning 2008, 2008. 2008. Yeah. So I'm I'm assuming that this was sort of how banks were operating at the time. But like Bank of America had like a little kiosk in our high school's cafeteria where you could sign up for a like five hundred dollars limit uh credit card mine had hello kitty on it wait Um, you were in high school yeah i was i had to wait until after i graduated uh but i took home the application because i was 17 at the time um but like the day i turned 18 i took that application into bank of america and got my 500 hundred dollar credit card um i maxed it out within like two and a half weeks and just threw it away and just collection notices piled up and you know all this stuff i got like i got all these court notices and stuff like that and by the time i actually confronted the debt when i was 22 like my credit score between that and a few other things i think was like four 60. It was like as low as it can be, basically. What, what is uh, the credit scale for those who might not know? Uh, so it goes from 450 to 850. Um, and the higher, the better, uh, generally speaking. And so mine was almost as low as it can be, which wow. means that, you know, at that time, there was almost nothing I could get approved for. I couldn't even rent an apartment by myself because I was so credit unworthy. Um, and when I finally paid it off, the initial $500 debt with all the interest and fees and stuff was, I think it was like $2,600. Um, but I negotiated with the collections agency to just pay it all off in like a, a few chunks, so they reduced the rate. But yeah, so that's. But I looked at credit cards as imaginary money, and that's why I did that to myself. Well, so well, I feel like putting a thing like that in a high school is kind of like putting a stumbling block in front of the blind. Like, yeah. Absolutely. How many people actually successfully use that? I wonder. Probably very few. And who had five hundred dollars? every like month anyway when you're 18 very i mean but again like seeing stuff like that it really just sort of illustrates why the 2008 crash happened that's just one small thing but that's truly how banks and reputable banks i mean bank of america is probably one of the biggest if not the biggest in america and that's how they were operating wow i mean and that's how they get you because you know i remember i remember this happened to my sister oh poor naomi my older sister tanked her credit fortunately as the, the younger sibling i got to watch this happen we were very much in the like family of like don't pick up the phone it could be a collector or like you know collections and like bankruptcy and the collections and that was the you know don't open the mail kind of attitude (laughs) that we had towards money and so when Naomi was 18 and she got out there on her own she was like haha credit cards I'm gonna do this wow I have a limit of let's say $500 a month I and I only need to pay it off 
like $25 is the minimum payment guarantee. It, it sounds like exactly what it is. It sounds great, but it's a trap. It's such a trap. It's such a trap. And so there she was, and she tanked her credit score in the beginning of her earliest stages of life as a student, but she also was a student who didn't have enough money to meet her basic needs. So the only way she could meet those needs was by taking out a credit card to go and like live in that life and, or like be able to sustain herself and then accrue the debt that would follow her after college. Hannah Gelb, how old were you when you got your first credit card? Um, I get well, I know I had one in like when I went to college, so I probably had one back then. A credit card, like through the bank? I think I uh, <laughs> this is a little embarrassing. I think I my parents had a credit card that they gave me a credit card that had my name on it, but it was linked to their account mm, to help so you I build your credit. I had the huge boost of being able to build good credit just because my parents paid the bill every month. So Wonderful. I think that helped me because my name was on it. Is that something people do? Yeah, it definitely is. And, uh, you know, it's it's funny because we talk quite a lot on, on TFD about privilege from a class perspective. And just one of the, the biggest and simplest ones is having parents who are not only credit worthy and able to essentially just put you on a credit card just to reap the benefits of their payment, but are even familiar with the system. Right. They already know. So it's like it's so it's like crazy because it's like if you have a family that knows how the game is played, they're like, oh, we got to get you a credit card. And we got to get you building up credit because yeah. credit is something that they, they don't teach. And they should teach this. Right. Hannah and I always talk about this. They're like, they got to teach this stuff in high school. Oh, my gosh. Yes. But like the most yes, important do. of life skills. <laughs> yeah. You know, in Absolutely. high school. Because, you know, I was so lucky. Like, thank God. Thank you, mom and dad. But like, <laughs> that's not what it's like for everybody. Yeah. No, it's not. They should. <laughs> if they're going to require a, a health class, they should require a credit class. Like, here are the things that are going to be shown to you. Here are the ways you can keep protect yourself. You know, and Absolutely. here's people don't know that your credit affects, like you said, getting an apartment. Absolutely. Right. I, I, and I could take like a semester long class on what a deductible is. Oh, Literally, taxes. I need 18 weeks to understand it. I've had it explained to me. Well, a, a deductible, times. it's easy. But like the thing is, is that if you ever go freelance, so then that's when de- deductibles come into play. So the majority of people are on. Okay, so shifting gears a little bit from credit to taxes, because this is our basic beginners financial beezies episode. <laughs> So, you know, if there's takeaways from credit, this is how I've always operated with my credit card. I'm a little bit frugal. I mean. Good. Yeah. Would you say, Hannah Gelb, what what do you think? What's your impression of me and the way I handle money? I would say you are very responsible. Yeah. And that's very (laughs) impressive because you also have like a few. I think you have some. Well, like I know you like to eat. Nice food. I do love food. I mean, the, to be in such a place in my life where I can walk into a Whole Foods and buy what I want. I that's mean, huge. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah. That, people so always like, you... what do you what do you want for the next five years? And I'm like, well, I, I don't know if you guys know this, but I bought lox salmon, <laughs> like in a bag, and I can just eat it whatever I want. That's huge. Yeah. But you also are able to, it's like you're very frugal, but you also go on like vacations when you need to. And like, so you're obviously really good at this. Well, it's, you know, there were pieces of financial advice I was given when I was younger that I think were really, really key and attitudes I have towards money. One of them is I live, live beneath your means. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. You gotta. You have to, because you never know what's going to happen. You don't know what kind of, you know, and I, I, I feel like there sometimes disadvantage can kind of be a privilege in a way in the sense that. When you have to keep track of your bank account because there's no safety net at all, 
it makes you it for you have to be good with your money right away. Absolutely. And there's also something called uh, lifestyle inflation, which is basically sort of like what would have been satisfying or exciting or, you know, interesting to you, you know, two years ago is now no longer the case. And you have to continually sort of like you, you have a higher and higher threshold for what you constitute, you know, a what is worth spending on Mm -hmm. or what you get enjoyment out of. And, you know, Lauren and I, we never ever used to travel for work and it always looks so aspirational and cool. And now we travel quite a lot for work. And I remember the first couple times that we traveled for work, it did not matter where we were staying. Just the fact that we were traveling for work was so cool and so exciting. And Little by little, as you do it more and more, you notice that like, um, you know, oh, this bed or there's no robe or like this bathroom (laughs) sucks. And it's like, this is what a small percentage of people get to do this at all, you know? Right. The hedonistic adaptation. Absolutely. Yeah. But okay. So returning again to like when you were saying that in my head, I kept thinking about smartphones. And I'm like, wow, are smartphones kind of like the new credit system? Because people can finance, you know, so much of work and life and this standard of living has been raised to the point where it's like, well, you're going to have an advantage if you have a smartphone at all, even in getting a job. Oh, totally. Or buying a house, like all the apps and the things that go like in those directions. And then they allow you to finance to get a smartphone. So you can pay like 40, 25, whatever dollars a month and like get your smartphone so you can play at that tier. Well, I mean, there's a there's a decent amount of people for whom their smartphone is their computer, mm-hmm. um, which I think is important for a lot of people to remember because I think in 2018 we have a tendency to think that access to the internet and access to computers is totally ubiquitous, and it's not. But also, uh, when it comes to smartphones, I think there's a real case to be made that the government um, at this point should start subsidizing everyone having a smartphone. Yeah. Because oh it's, my God, yeah. It's really hard to live in the world at all without one now. Yeah. Um, and right, it's and such a yeah. huge expense that no one had, like 50 years ago like a 80 dollar a month phone and then bill. they break and they just stop working <laughs> yeah sometimes you drop it sometimes repeatedly you drop it like sometimes me, app- for example and then you have to pay a lot of money to get the screen repaired sometimes a software update goes out and then all of a sudden it's just not working as well anymore and you're just like really guys really? So that's lifestyle inflation but with your smartphone you remember when like an iphone 3 was like the coolest thing ever i'm pretty sure hannah still has one <laughs> What generation is your iPhone? You have the five. Four? No, I have an SE. An SE? It is cute. It's like this big. It's a, it's a cute little iPhone. It's not even. It's not numbered? Is that like no, not a canonical like, iPhone? It was like between the five and the six. Ah. <laughs> We're all like, ah. Okay, okay, okay. But I still want to think about, oh, you know what I should have done? I should have pulled questions from our beautiful earbuds, what their most pressing financial questions are. I'll, I'll just do ones that I know from people that have asked me throughout time. <clears throat> this person has a question. What is a savings account and is there any advice for starting to build one? Well, a savings account is an account in which you put savings. There's obviously mostly you will have two bank accounts at any normal retail bank. And a retail bank is just where average people go to put their money. A savings account and a checking account. A checking account is where all of your day-to-day money lives. And the savings account is all the money that is not for day-to-day use. It's not like attached to your card. And bill pay comes into checking account. It should. It should. You know, it's like if you're going to pay your bills, your saving account is not paying your monthly bills. Your savings account is like your long-term savings. 
But it actually shouldn't be because, <sighs> yeah, uh, savings accounts, we recommend that you only keep what we call an emergency fund, which is about three months worth of total living expenses after taxes. So in case of emergency, you it's like break glass. You have this money, like if you get into a car accident, if you lose your job, if you have to move unexpectedly, if something happens to your pet, you have several thousand dollars that you can tap into uh, when needed. But that is really the only money that should be in a savings savings account because savings accounts have really, really bad interest. They don't do anything. Mm. So any money that's beyond your <laughs> I'm like going to write this down. This is so... I'm writing this down right now. Yeah, three months rent. And this is the moment that we should use for our yeah, little soundbite. expenses. Yes, total living expenses. Three months. So in your savings account should be three months worth of total living expenses, rent, etc. And then if it exceeds that... It should not be in a savings account. So there are lots of different places you can put money. Um, investment accounts normally, like you will start with your retirement account. Uh, m- not most, but a lot of people get a retirement account through their employer called a 401k. And basically, retirement accounts are investment accounts that have big tax advantages. The money's not taxed. Um, the government is essentially subsidizing and incentivizing people to save money for retirement. Right, because your savings account money gains interest and then it's also it will be taxed or it counts as your it counts as a part of your bracket it gains almost no interest the so savings account the savings account oh. it's like often like point zero zero something it's like nothing oh so that's what you mean by the interest rate is bad is it's that, terrible it's not okay and then just again for clarity because there might be some listeners that just don't even know what the word interest rate means right um interest rate as my layman's understanding is the um, rate at which money, it'll build more money in the account. So let's say I have a dollar and I have a one penny interest rate every year. Then next year, it'll be a dollar and one cent. Yes. And there's different kinds of interest, like compound inter- interest is the best kind of interest if it's adding and not if it's being charged. Um, but compound interest will mean like, so let's say you have that dollar and the penny is the interest. The penny will go back into the dollar. And then next year, that penny's worth will come out of a dollar oh one. So it'll mm. be slightly more and further and further. So it's, it's snowballs kind got of. It. Got it, got um, it. And so, so savings accounts have low interest rates, but for almost nothing, almost nothing, but yeah. retirement accounts. Yeah. So retirement accounts are, so there's all different kinds of investment accounts. Retirement accounts tend to have slow and steady returns. They follow the market, which, you know, it's certainly not as uh, potentially uh, advantageous as other kinds of retirement accounts, but because they have such huge tax advantages, you should definitely take advantage of them. And especially a lot of employers will offer what is called a 401k match, which means that for every dollar that you put into that account, they'll put some portion or perhaps the whole dollar to match it. And that is also pre-tax. Whoa. Okay. So can you, if you do start an account like that, is it you're not able to use any of that money until you actually retire. Is right. that true? So that's the big caveat to retirement accounts is that if you break that account before retirement to take the money out, you get taxed on it. So mm. you lose all the benefits of having done it in the first place. Mm. Um, and again, 401k is what comes from your employer, but there are other kinds of retirement accounts, IRAs, Roth IRAs, IRA stands for individual retirement accounts. So there's a way to get those tax benefits, even if your employer doesn't uh, provide it. So we, we suggest after your savings account, 
you start maximizing what you can put into your retirement account. Then there are, after that, other kinds of investment accounts that you can put your money in. But we never, ever just leave long-term money sitting around in a retirement account because you might as well just be keeping it in a shoebox under your bed at that point. Mm. Oh, my God. I just started following you on Twitter. Stop! At TF Diet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. Um, hold We're on. Seen. And then, yeah, yeah. I'm going to tweet this out just, <laughs> just so we have. Wait, so, Hanhart, uh, since you are self-employed, do you have a retirement account? Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, honey bunny. I uh, mean, I'm a thousand percent, like, sure that you do. <laughs> <laughs> Great question, Hannah Gelb. In terms of retirement, oh, Wait a minute. Speaking of money, I got to take a break because we've got some sponsors that are dying to chat. And I forgot about them entirely. Oh, no. Here they are. Hannah Gelb is on the phone right now and, frankly, doesn't want to talk about her underwear at work. But I'm perfectly happy to talk about my underwear at work. So I'm going to fly solo on this one, guys. Yet another special rave review of Tomboy X. You know, I still love it. It's still super comfy. It's still super cute. It's still underwear with more frills and function. It still comes in bikinis, briefs, boxer briefs, trunks, and boy shorts. In fact, I'm wearing the trunks right now. Sometimes I just wear them as shorts. It has soft bras, razorback bras, everything you want in everyday basic colors, fun seasonal prints, or brilliant bright colors. Best part is they make options for everybody and everybody. It comes in all sizes ranging from extra small to 4X. So regardless of where you fall on the size or gender spectrum, Tomboy X offers amazing underwear that anybody feels comfortable in. So what are you going to do? I'll tell you. You're going to go to TomboyX.com slash Hanalyze and check out their special bundles and pack pricing. And Hanalyze this listeners get an extra 15% off with the code Hanalyze. Again, the code is H-A-N-N-A-H-L-Y-Z-E for an extra 15% off. So ditch whatever you're wearing for a pair of Tomboy X underwear. Go to TomboyX.com slash Hanalyze today. Not only do they not educate you about what you need to do as a working salaried employee, you know, someone with health insurance and retirement and all, all those things kind of rolled into your job. They don't educate you about that. And they also don't educate you about what it's like to be a freelancer, which is... For sure not. For sure not. <laughs> Fortunately, because I've always been kind of paranoid about money and I've always been like, oh God, put it all under a mattress. I started out, when I first had a bank account, uh, my dad told me, Always put 30% of anything you get into your savings account. So if you get a check for any work you do, put 30% of it away, you know? And I wasn't always able to put 30% of it away. Sometimes I would have to spend it all on paying bills and blah, 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 blah. But when I was when I got into a more comfortable financial position, I always did that. I always put that money away. And then when it got to the point where I was, um, after college, I actually never had a salaried job. I never had, uh, I only worked part-time. And so 1099s were the first tax thing I ever filled out, not W9s and W2s. W2s. I've never had a W2. Wow, that's crazy. I know. Even when you worked for Gracie? Yeah, dude. Those are W9s, 1099s. Yeah, dude, because you know why? She wasn't going to pay my health insurance. She wasn't going to pay my retirement. But she did tell me to start a SEP IRA, which I did. 
Yep. That's yeah. the self-employed IRA. So the very first retirement account I got, I was 23. We were still living together in San Francisco at the time. And I opened up an IRA. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So can you explain to our listeners what the hell that is? Yeah. So it's just. Because I barely understand. It's just an individual retirement account. The SEP one is for self-employed people. It has, there are a couple different ones that have like a little bit different, you know, benefits and variations on how you file them and stuff. But basically it's just all of the goodness of a 401k without the employer who provides it to you. Right. And it's important to start that when you're young, mainly because, you know, if I got to, let's say, two thousand five thousand dollars in my savings account by putting a portion of that into my SEP IRA or into my independent retirement account as a young person that gives it the longest period of time to build up interest yeah oh for sure and it's compounded so there's something called an investment horizon which is like the you know amount of time that your investment has time to build and snowball and and get great and someone who starts doing that at 25 is so much better off than someone who waits until they're like 35, even if the amount is smaller. Yes. Are you listening, 25-year-old precious people that are out there? If you don't have a 401k, open up your retirement account. Even if there's – my SEP IRA, no joke, I put $200 in. Oh, for sure. $200. That was it. And it was – Oh, God. I'm doomed. (laughs) Wait. What's your retirement plan like right now, bud? Well, I have one through my work, and it's pretty good. That's good then. Um, But – I don't know a lot about how it works. <laughs> Are you putting money in it? Well, my yeah. So the university um, takes it out of my paycheck every month, but okay. I think they match it as well in some amount. That's but fantastic. If I leave, if I leave the university before five years goes by, I think I lose it all. What is that? Yeah. All of it? Yeah. I don't think I mean the money it sounds illegal for the money to just disappear if it was your money yeah I think you probably get taxed or there or no wait that's what they do rollover right that's the term so there are tons of variations on how 401ks will change when you change employers I don't want to speak to your individual situation because I obviously don't know anything about it but I would say that it sounds suspicious bordering on illegal if they were to just like take the money back and so you that's don't probably have oh, okay. so it's probably not going to lose it a pretty large operation <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm sure they're not doing anything legal <laughs> yeah no it's like if it's your money they're it's, it's they couldn't take it from you so i'm just sure that something ha- it, it rolls over so maybe there's a certain benefit that you lose um but you'd have to just talk to your hr person oh <laughs> now here's my question how do you talk to your hr person this is my impression of that conversation ready this is my impression <clears throat> hello I'm just curious, if I was to leave, what would happen to my 401k? Oh, God. Uh, How do you have that conversation without raising any alarm bells? Well, definitely don't say if I leave or even at all hint. You go in there and you're like, I'm going to die at this desk, at this job. I love it so much. Never, ever indicate that you're leaving. But I think it's, I mean, it's totally fair and normal. HR people do a lot of things. They're probably, I think, consistently the most underrated people in any office situation. And case in point, like every startup is like, we don't need an HR department. And they're all just like fielding lawsuits, you know, every day. Um, But so HR people, they do actually sort of like a lot of like inter interactions between the employees. They do a lot of like the human stuff, but they also are there to help you understand a lot of the financial elements of your job. So she can just send an email like 401k question mark and be like, hey, whoever, I'm curious about what the, what's the term? 
I'm curious about what my 401k is or what it's set up as. So you can, so there's a lot of questions you can ask, but one of the basic things, um, normally employers are legally obligated to provide the information around your account. So you can just say, Hey, I don't know a lot about how my 401k works. Um, can you explain it to me? And normally they should be able to do that. Oh my God. Let's write that down too. That's great. Oh, okay. And, um, uh, I mean, Okay. <laughs> I just want to say, I feel like, I hope I am not mentally subnormal. Um, oh, because, no. Like, when I started working at this job, you know, I got this huge packet of your health benefits, your other benefits, uh. your retirement stuff. And I think I, like, read all of the words that I was reading. They washed over you. Multiple <laughs> times. But, yeah, I feel like I still have such a little understanding and it's very frustrating because i know that like knowledge is power and the more i know about how this works the better off i'm going to be but i i don't know how to make it make more how how can i have it make sense to me well so one thing to perhaps reassure you and i'm not exactly sure i forget the exact number but i want to say it's something like 81 percent of millennials don't have anything invested and it's over half of americans who are about a 500 hundred dollar unexpected expense away from financial like bankru- ruin. like ruin essentially right uh, not necessarily actual bankruptcy, but but not being able to to meet next month's bills. So, I think a lot of people don't understand uh, how bad the average financial situation is for for people, especially for young people. Um, and when it comes to employer benefits, uh, the fact that you are even putting money into it puts you in the major- the minority and the and the sort of really good one. Uh, Lauren actually has mentioned a few times on. On the channel, she at her old job had not just a 401k, but with a, I believe it was a dollar to dollar match up to a certain point. Um, And she never even opened it or contacted her HR person about it. I think she worked there for over three years. I mean, that's by retirement, that's tens of thousands of dollars that she missed out on. Wow. Okay, guys. So if you're listening now and you have 401k, but you don't understand how it works, go ahead and email your HR person this sentence. Hi. (laughs) I don't know much about how the 401k works. Can you explain it to me? Thanks so much. And yes. then you can. And it is in their job description to help you. They like, will help like, you. No. <laughs> and if you're somebody who doesn't have a 401k getting started, well, it's interesting because some companies actually, they offer you either 401k, like you can start rolling over into it. Or I know that my partner just started her 401k like last year, much to the chagrin of her, everyone in her life that was like, what are you doing? Start it now. Uh, but she was like, no, I want the money, you know? Yeah, you think you do. Um, it's. I think it's really difficult for a lot of people to conceive that one day they will be retirement age. Um, it's first of all, I think it's just against human nature to think of yourself as old. Um, but also, I think especially with millennials, uh, we entered into a job market and an economic environment that it was pretty decimated. Yeah. Um, and a lot of millennials are dealing with so much debt. I think the average amount is something like thirty-seven thousand dollars of student mm-hmm. debt. Um, and I think a lot of uh, young people just have this attitude that's just like, fuck it. Like, I'm never going to be good with, like, I'm never going to even be at zero. Why even try? Mm. And I'm personally of the belief that the answers to a lot of these problems are much more society-wide and and have to be, you know, policy changes and changing the way kind of we operate as a society. But in the shorter term, unfortunately, we have to steel ourselves against a a retirement where we're working literally until we die, which is the case of a lot of seniors right now. And I think that it's, as I was saying at the beginning, you know, when you were asking about money buying happiness, 
money, the primary thing that it buys you is options. And options are never more essential than when you are no longer competitive in the job market. Oof. You know, yeah. I, I, there's, I think so many young people can feel so discouraged by applying for jobs, but I think it's impossible for us to understand how difficult it is to be in that same position when you are 70 years old, mm. you know? And, you know, ultimately I, I would like to live in a country that offers, you know, a a dignified retirement for all its citizens, but short that you think that you want the money today, but you want it so much more when you're older. Wow. That's another great soundbite. I really, (laughs) I really, I really appreciate that. Okay. Well, we have some more questions that are coming in from our beautiful, precious earbuds, and we will get to answering those questions right after this. Since Hannah Gelb is on the phone, I'm going to fly solo on this one. And actually, speaking of flying, let me talk to you guys a little bit about travel. Specifically, away travel. If you're planning on traveling a lot, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that you really only need two things. Access to power, because you never know when your phone or computer is going to die. And wheels that move in 360 degrees. It is so convenient and so much better if you're running around the airport and you're trying to get places and you're dodging people who just let their kids wander, apparently, to have 360 wheels because you could just spin right out of the way. Anyway, I just want to tell you guys about Away Luggage, which has built-in power and 360 wheels and comes in a variety of sizes and colors. And it's made with premium German polycarbonate, unrivaled in strength and impact resistance. Wow. Oh, but it's also very lightweight, so that unrivaled German strength won't be weighing you down. If you guys decide to check it out, you get a 100-day trial to live with it, travel with it, Instagram it, do whatever you want with it. And if you don't like it, you can return it for a full refund, no questions asked. Plus, free shipping on any Away order in the lower 48 states. Last but not least, Away has a special offer for our earbuds. To save $20 off a suitcase, go to awaytravel.com slash Hanalyze. And be sure to use the promo code Hanalyze during checkout. That's awaytravel.com slash Hanalyze using promo code Hanalyze. That's H-A-N-N-A-H-L-Y-Z-E. So, have some fun. Travel. On us. Not physically on us. You know, don't tread on me. Kind of thing. Don't be a doormat. question oh a question from oh a caller hello caller what's your name <laughs> this is me your co-host <laughs> oh 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 thank you so much thank you we appreciate it bye-bye no oh, kidding i'm kidding yeah. <laughs> no problem yeah go ahead bud. so okay so i was looking at the um financial diet website a little bit and i was thinking when it comes to money, it's like money isn't just about money. It's about your plans and your goals and your, you know, hopes for the future and, like, your everyday life and, like, your values. And, like, so if you're someone like me who is gets extremely overwhelmed by, like, everything in the whole world um, and just doesn't even know where to start, and I'm like, I don't even know what my values are maybe, and also I don't know what I'm going to be doing in five years, and also I don't even want to think about what I'm going to be doing in five years. <laughs> Do you have any advice for, you know, a person like that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, Ultimately, a lot of that has to come down to just like, buck up. But um, (laughs) I I don't know.
don't know. I think so. We wrote about it a lot in the book. Like the the biggest thing with money is to stop thinking of yourself in terms of the person you are today and start thinking of yourself in terms of the person that you would like to become um, and, and how you want that person to feel and the choices that you want that person to have and the job you want them to be doing and the house you want them to be living in and really treating yourself as such because one of the biggest spending issues that people have is they are incapable of imagining a future version of themselves, even literally the tomorrow version of themselves. Um, And so something that has always helped me because I'm someone who had a lot of issues with this kind of thing is literally I would write like sticky notes of goals that I had or things that I I wanted to work toward um, or things I was excited about even. And I would put them on my mirror. I put them on my laptop and I would just start. And I would also start putting things on the calendar. As silly as it sounds, I would put like, you know, hangout dates with friends a month and a half away on the calendar, or I would make doctor's appointments for six months from now and just started to live a little bit in the future and not feel like my life was just sort of a wave that was crashing on me constantly and and that I could plan for it. And I think you have to start doing it with things other than money um, because money is way too scary to start with. But if you start thinking about like, I'm going to plan a trip that I'm really looking forward to in 10 months, that will have the side effect of making you kind of get your shit together a little bit financially. But it's also about thinking about that delayed gratification and imagining what that person's going to look like and what they're going to do on that trip and how they're going to feel. So you have to just start thinking about that person as if she were you because she is. Oh, I love that. That is such, that is so great. Honestly, I think hard and fast rules are great. That 30% of every paycheck goes into savings. Yeah. That, that allowed me to build up $200 eventually, which I then put into my step IRA put into my retirement thing. It's huge. So it's just like if you're if you if you're not something that's motivated by reward, if you're not somebody that's motivated or can't if you can't visualize that, just give yourself a hard and fast rule. It's a savings account, not a spending account. The second that penny goes in there, you're not going to touch it unless you need to like pay a bill that is something to have, but hopefully not. Yeah, and one of the biggest pieces of advice that we give kind of universally when it comes to making good money decisions is to automate everything you can possibly yes. automate. Um, savings is a huge one. Bill pay is a huge one. Um, you know, credit card payoff is a huge one. Even more logistical things like automate, like you should have, a, you know, once a year meeting with, you know, a financial advisor or even just your bank representative on the count. Like just making sure that all of these things are you don't have to think about them, that they're just sort of things that happen and you get to look at the benefits of them and not feel overwhelmed because the difference between $20 automatically going into your account before you see it and you having to look at that $20 and put it in the account, imagine all the things you could buy with it and then make the choice to put it in the, it's Huge. impossible. And even when I wasn't making, that reminds me because even when I wasn't making regular income, like I wasn't making steady money, uh, I would have a deduction, $25 out of my checking into my savings every month, just period. Yeah. Just so it did that, you know? And sometimes that was good and sometimes that was bad. Okay, well, we've only got a couple minutes left here. So we're going to take some questions from our beautiful, wonderful, precious listeners, the earbuds. I I just want everyone to know that I am quietly rethinking uh, your entire life. (laughs) That's our goal. And Hannah, if you have more questions too, just jump on, just slap them in there, buddy. Uh You know? No, no, no. Go ahead. Let's hear from the earbuds. Okay. Here we go. Camille McCoy asks, how can I save money for the things I want while still paying for the things I need? So one of my favorite phrases in life, and this applies to a lot more than money, but it applies to money in a huge way, is what gets measured gets managed, which means that 
even if you do not have the flexibility in your budget to save money, write a budget that details every dollar that is coming in and going out and start just really observing it. And even if you're not able to change it, like the first month, don't even worry about saving more money. Just start looking at every dollar that comes in and goes out. And just the idea, just your brain getting used to really tracking every dollar closely will naturally lead to you not spending on excess things and will naturally lead to you reconsidering what you're spending on. And at the end of each month, go through your credit card and bank statements and highlight every purchase that you don't remember making, which is a very good way to know what you don't actually care about and what actually isn't worth the money. And that automatically gives you a list of things to cut out the next month. I can't take credit for that. It's one of our team members who who does it. But I love that. that. So track and measure your money, even if you can't change it right now, and make sure that you go through and analyze each purchase. Now, obviously, on top of that, you can add side streams of income and stuff, but start by taking your money as seriously as if you were really wealthy and you were your own money manager, you know? Yeah. I love that. Oh, that's so good. I, oh, my God. I'm going oh to tell that to Maggie the second we leave this room. This is such a supportive group. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, you're providing us with resources. Okay, we'll take yeah, one. Yeah, this is great. Well, you know, also just like... Like, I think this really falls, in, again, for me, under the category of, like, just really taking responsibility mm. for my own life instead of being like, oh, it's just all chaos. You know, because I'm sure a lot of people in my age bracket are kind of like, there's just no hope, so why bother? You know, like you were saying. You can't live that way. But I think I have to get over the, fa- like, just the fear of being like, I am just not capable. I'm just not capable of doing this. I'm not capable of, like, having a budget or you know, being smart enough to like do all these things, but I am. You are capable. You're so capable. We are, you know, if you're listening to this and you haven't kept track of your financials up to this point, or if you feel like you've gone past the point of no return, just know that we're all in this together. And there are people out there that have felt the same way and have made the decision to change. And that Right. And one day the sun will explode and all of human history will be erased. Mm -hmm. And then your debt won't matter. It's so true. So true. (laughs) You know, so true. I I totally, speaking of debt, just real quick note before we get to our last question, because it turns out actually a lot of the questions that we're receiving, we've covered. Oh, wow. Look at Um, that. But one thing on loan payback, I was all about student loans. I'm like, take up all the student loans. Student loans are great. I was on a 30-year student loan repayment at $67 a month. And everybody was like, no, that's terrible. You're going to build so much interest. No, that's so bad. But the reality was I could not pay any more than that. So I had to do $67 a month and do the 30-year plan. And guess what? Everything was fine. Yeah, it's it's interesting too because there's so much at play when it comes to student loan payback. There's actually really helpful calculators that you can look at online that will show you how much you stand to save an in interest if you pay things off faster versus how much you stand to gain an in interest if you invest that money in the market instead. And we're talking about very stable uh, investments uh, such as uh, retirement accounts. Um, And it's actually pretty interesting. A lot of people, especially if you have subsidized loans, you don't really stand to gain anything by paying them off faster. And especially if you're paying $67 a month, like you might be better spending that elsewhere. So it's not an automatic thing where you're sort of chained to that. There's a lot more flexibility in it than people think. Yeah, yeah. Just look at it. I have friends who took the opposite approach and after college, you know, work themselves to the bone to try and pay off their loans in five, 10 years. And here's the the reality is you're in your 20s once. 
Oh, for sure. I would rather be Oof. paying that $67 off and trying to figure out the larger picture things of my life than yeah. to be like so exhausted from trying to pay back my student loans. There's a sub-community in the personal finance community called a FIRE, which stands for financial independence slash retiring early. And it's mostly men and it's mostly men who have like three kids and live in like some rural community and their wife, like, you know, it's, it's a very sort of like weirdly patriarchal community, which is like my issue number one with it. But the issue number two that I have, aside from like the unacknowledged domestic labor of the wives in these scenarios, is uh, the fact that most of them center around reducing your living costs to a point that is either totally unrealistic or totally undesirable for the majority of people. Like they will post all the time these breakdowns about like everything they saved and all the things that they cut. I remember one time this guy was like, I haven't seen a movie in the theaters in 12 years. Woo. And I'm like, buddy, why are you bragging about that? Like, that's so depressing. Like (laughs) film is one of the few mediums that like connects us all. Like what is wrong with you? But like they, that's how a lot of people think you need to live. Yeah. And you just can find the way to live. That's right for you. Okay. Here's our last question. It comes from Emily Chan. I think this is a really great question. She asks, what are the things you consider in choosing a bank, especially as a college student with debt? So we talk about this a lot. Banks, some of them are really bad. And amongst all the big banks, there's not a ton of variation, but there is enough variation that especially if you are on the lower end of the income scale, you really need to watch out for. So for example, a lot of banks will charge you money for not having enough money in your account, right? which is just unbelievably so cruel. That's so lame. It's awful. Uh, um, you know, it's like, I feel like people with less money get charged so many more things. Like rich people oh, yeah. get free things all the time. It's like, oh, and by the way, because you're rich, here's an extra plane ticket. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I could talk about that for days. But uh, being poor in a lot of banks means being penalized for it. So be extremely wary of fees. Uh, we actually are big fans of like digital first banks, banks that don't even have brick and mortar locations because a lot of them are like totally no fee. They're just way more flexible. Um, they offer uh, a lot of benefits to younger people. They're obviously geared at younger people who are there for lower income generally and lower wealth. So they will often offer a lot of advantages to people with smaller bank accounts. So I would definitely consider going to one that is digital first. Do you guys have anything on your website that like reviews or like a guidebook to, to getting to know banks? So we publish such a wide variety of articles that we have a lot of like if you search a particular bank, like chances are there will be people talking about that bank in different articles. We also have some straight up reviews of different banks. Um, we have on the top, there's like, you know, the sections so you can look at the ones about about banking. Um, we've also done several videos that just talk about, we had uh, on our Thursday show, it's a three minute guide where it's an actual financial expert who breaks down topics. And oh, we, wonderful. we have a two part series. It's about like how banks can legally screw you over um, with like things like those fees. And then smart things to do with your bank account that also gets into a lot of like the smarter choices. Wow. Wow. Watch those for sure. They're super helpful. And so you can find all these resources and more available online at thefinancialdiet.com and on you guys' channel, which is youtube.com slash thefinancialdiet. Hannah Gelb, do you have any last questions? Oh, no. Uh, But I also want to say thank you so much, Chelsea. And like, uh, actually, truly, honestly, I'm like, wow, I'm like excited, <laughs> which is something I never thought yes. I would ever say ever <laughs> in the history of my life. But I'm like, oh, I actually want to like be good at this and then maybe not be a huge anxious mess all the time. Yes, that's Ooh, that right. That's like a better option. <laughs> Get to know your money. Don't be scared of it. 
You know, I, I like. I remember I used Mint to when I first started budgeting. Mint was great. Me too. Yeah, Mint. Mint.com. I don't even know if it's still around anymore. But you know what is still around? Analyze this. This podcast, <laughs> which is available to you every Tuesday with new episodes. Rate, review, subscribe, and be sure to check out more here on Analyze This. That's it for us. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank Woo. you for being here. Woo! Bye, guys. Love you, earbuds.